Hello. This is Carchum, and I'm Tony. Now, be honest. When did you last find yourself staring into the middle distance and wishing you hadn't sold a particular car? You know it'd be worth a fortune now, right? And it'd make you a better person as well. Someone who needs little improvement, well, at least when it comes to cars, is Mike. Mike Renault, author and journalist, classic fan and hopeless car fanatic. I'm not quite certain what our choices say about us, but nonetheless, here we go. So what are we talking about today, Mike? We're talking about oh, that question we ask ourselves all the time as car enthusiasts, I guess. What are we here for? Um, well, I was thinking cars that we've owned that we wish we'd never sold for whatever reasons. And it would be a fair statement to say there's a few of those, aren't there? For each of us, I think. I, I know think you've you've had a, a, a f- quite a few cars actually, haven't you? How many cars would you think you've owned? Well, I kind of lost count about fifty. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, nineteen fifty, I mean. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's um, it's it's not that much more to be fair than that now actually, because I slowed right down. But uh, yeah, something in the order of that kind of magnitude, and yeah, there are quite a few there that I think, oh, really wish you just really want it back, you know. Yeah, much in the same way, you know, when you're sitting and wasting time on Auto Trader, you know, how much do you want? Oh God, in that moment, I want that. Um, actually, Austin Montego at the moment. A Montego. Yeah. You want to own a Montego? Yeah, curiously, but that's for another day. That's for another day. And the beauty is, by the time we come to record that podcast, Mike, the one where we talk about <laughs> cars you wish you owned, <laughs> I won't want a Montego by then. So I love the fact that out, out of everything you could have, the cars, what you know, Lanciers, Lamborghinis, Monteverdis, and you want a Montego. <laughs> Monteverdi. Anything. No, you Montego. Could have <laughs> Bentleys. Oh, love an Austin Montego. 1.3, please, in the base model spec. Don't want any of that L nonsense. So we all spend way too much time, probably, as enthusiasts, thinking about what we could own. And I think we'll talk about that in a future episode. But also about what we used to own as well. The um, the rose-tinted spectacle episode, I suppose this probably is, isn't it? Yeah, I, I suppose there's always a danger of looking back at a car you used to own and thinking, oh, that was wonderful, that was, that was the best car I ever had. Where in point of fact, you know, we do forget about the rainy day breakdowns and the exhaust falling off on the top of the hill and things like that. <laughs> but yeah, there, there is always at least one car that I think you regret. That, and what, you, that you had to get rid of. What would what would headline your list then for that? It it sounds a very boring choice and a very safe choice, but it was a Volvo 240 Estate. Oh, nothing wrong there. Um, yeah. they they're a lot they're cooler now than they used to be. Hmm. I think. Like this like one, you, Mike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know the summer weather and everything. Um, I sweat a lot more. I'm trying to think what mine was. I think it was it was a DL. Um. It's petrol, 2.4, very tired, high mileage car that I bought from eBay. Um, Sorry, can I... No, 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 I'm not certain. Of what? Those facts. I don't think they're facts. Do you want me to change them? Yeah. <laughs> it was a... <laughs> It was, it was 240. A three, I doubt it was, it was a, a well, <laughs> It would need to be a fairly early one or an earlier one to be a DL. 
So it was probably a GL. And it was probably... GL sounds good. Okay. And if um, it was a late one, it could have been a 2.3. If it was an earlier one, I think it could have been a 2.1. I don't think there was a 2.4. Okay. See, I'm starting to wish I'd researched this now, because honestly, <laughs> I'm not making this up. But it's it's great when you're heralded as the expert, and then, uh, and then, and then someone says, well, no, actually, the car you used to own, yeah. it wasn't that at all. I love this car, but I knew nothing about it and don't remember even owning it. What, um, what uh, age was it? It was 1987 on an E. An E. So, you know, that's a late one. That's a, that was probably a 240GL. Uh, and it had the slightly smaller uh, hatchback glass. I think I think it was about 89 or something. They made it larger. Did they? Mm-hmm. So what was special um, about it? Why did he love it so much? Well, really just the fact that it was bulletproof. I know everybody says this, but... When you drive an older car, and it was about 20 years old at the time, I think, when I bought it, maybe a little bit more, it was just felt so solid. It, it never let me down. It kept going. And there's when, when you're driving around a lot for work, as I was, you know, you obviously you need a car that will keep going. Dust you need a car. Yeah, you, you can get in and drive regardless of whether it's pouring with rain or snowing or whatever. And having had a few far less reliable vehicles, this was just, I, I, I just had complete trust in it. It would take me wherever I wanted to go. And in the three years I owned it, it never broke down. It never, never let up. you down on the way to an Avon party, did it? Certainly never did. No, no. What's an Avon party? Is that makeup or is that a yeah. party held in, in near Bristol? <laughs> a, a relative of mine in the 70s and 80s worked for a very big leasing company. And I was so impressed because he used to have a brand new Volvo 240 every few months. Ultimately dependable. And for someone that was doing, you know, tens and tens of thousands of miles Hmm. a a year. At that point, your car is an extension of your home, isn't it? And and the ride quality, the um, quietness, um, the sort of friendliness of the car is oh so much more important, isn't it, than pin sharp handling with low profile tires? We, you know, uh, you well, know, and vitally important. Another vitally important thing with this car, and I've never seen it on another car, and I've always missed it. Was they had a massive dashboard, obviously massive mm. flat dashboard, and above the radio there was a little shelf for presumably coins and things. Um, and you look like a little shelf, probably about 15 centimetres across yeah. and about 8 mil deep. It was perfect for filling up with chocolate and sweets. <laughs> or you could put like a bag of minstrels on it and just drive along eating them. Nice. <laughs> I love that. A minstrel rack. Dependability is very... yeah, And it, it, it's like saying, you know, what, would you date someone or marry someone who was dependable? Well, yes, probably. Because it's an awful lot more fun living with someone for 20 or 30 years who, who you know they're going to be there and, and when they say they will. You know, it's, it's, it's unpredictable is fun, <laughs> but unpredictable is not what you want to base a mortgage and a joint account on. These are very wise words, Mike, very wise words. And thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, yeah, words, well, words to live by. Anyway. <laughs> while we're on the dependable then, in fact, I'll go uh, for my first one what's well, going to um, say yes what is what is your car that you wish you'd never sold 1987 a good year for us today obviously e-reg Ooh. ford sierra 1800 oh. l hatchback 
Ah, so five Dorothy arrow. What colour was it? Metallic blue. Um, sort of hint of purpley. You'd know the colour. It was pretty popular at the time, but it wasn't. It wasn't that sort of um, solid funereal blue which they did at the time. It was the specked up um, metallic. It did rust though. I tell you, and I got it. Uh, it wasn't that old. It was only about four or five years old, and the tops oh. of the rear doors had holes in. Yeah, around the Ooh. window frame. Yeah, and the, nose. the rear doors. That's an unusual. I know. Because rain normally gathers at the bottom <laughs> yeah. of the door. Gra- gravity normally works in favour of uh, water, doesn't it? Were, but... were the doors filled with water? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they were Aquaria. No, uh, what a great car that was. Um, looking back, and you look at the pictures now. Some of the design things that we kind of took for granted uh, at the time as being just normal didn't even look at it. Now you wouldn't go within a million miles of as a car designer it, that great big body it had mm. 13 inch wheels on it 13 <laughs> yeah. inch, with, yeah. with 165 tires yeah. yes. i mean you know <laughs> 165 well, did... how, it would look crazy now but i tell you what though they, they were soft they were they were they were malleable they were comfortable and they were dirt cheap to buy yeah and and so there are there are advantages but that car went on and on and on i don't think it ever put a foot wrong it did have a new clutch and i did put a uh, an exhaust on it but i mean that was it other than the rust it was just really good and in fact you know what it was comfortable despite the fact that from the day that i bought it it had a um driver's seat that was collapsed entirely on the right hand side um but somehow my body adjusted to it I mean, I've never, I've never walked straight since. Yes, yeah, hence why you can't lift anything. <laughs> it was, you it was a great. Ford Sierra eighteen hundred L with 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 optional metallic paint and scoliosis. <laughs> uh, Lovely, but no, it was a really good, uh, re- really, really good car, and actually, um. You I make... know. I was going to say I'd have it back in a heartbeat. I suppose I would, but then, then I instantly find myself thinking, "Oh, wait a minute! Didn't didn't have didn't have electric windows? Didn't have aircon? Didn't have didn't have this? Didn't have you know?" I think you get used to the the, the other stuff that you know. You do make a good time, point but... though about the comfort of having big tires, because I find and I tend to drive virtually always only old cars, but if I end up in something more modern as a higher car or whatever mm-hmm. and they've got these little rubber band tires on the 18 inch alloys and these these tiny low profile tires you feel every bump and getting into an older car they do just float over a lot of the, the a lot of the problems in, in the roads a lot of the potholes and things and i will have this with passengers i'll go wow you know what suspension have you got on this and you know it's perfectly normal mm-hmm. it's just the tires are soaking up a lot of the problem it's not it's not just right you, you've hit upon one of my hobby horses i love higher profile tires and smaller wheels um mm. the um the other problem is is road noise and i went in a um brand new um i didn't drive it i was just a passenger in a new a-class mercedes a-class a few weeks ago um it was just a chance outing first thing you notice road noise unbelievably loud amount of uh, of um audio kickback from the tires it's just really really disappointing because actually i don't know whether you've been in one of those but they're really impressive cars inside with the the, the new um lcd dashboards that that go or is it led yeah led not lcd isn't it led dashboards that go you know right <laughs> liquid crystal display yeah, yeah. <laughs> going back about 40 years <laughs> um but then no they're very impressive as most modern cars are but 
we've lost something in gaining some other things. And don't get me wrong, those 18-inch, 19-inch, whatever they were on there, um, AMG-esque wheels, you know, they look terrific. They look really, really good. But for normal road use, no. Anyway, so the Sierra was Sierra was definitely um, definitely a, a, a keeper, and I did keep it for a long, long time. And it had a, um, what would it be, 10? Yeah, a five-digit. Um, odometer so I was very oh. proud when, when I got up to 100,000 and of course then it reads <laughs> naught, 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 naught. That, that's the thing Ford, I don't know when they stopped but Ford always used to just do five digits didn't they Yes, and I, you, you'd sort of see a Capri and think oh it's only got 23,000 miles on it <laughs> and then realise it was probably 223 <laughs> uh, I haven't owned many Fords the one I do remember is a 94 Mondeo and it's just reminded me of what you're saying about your Sierra, that I, I had 94 Mondeo, virtually the base model, and it was a family car we bought in 95 or 6, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then I inherited it. And this thing in the 12 or 13 years that we had it, I think it had service items, it had a new battery, and it had brake pads. It had the original exhaust, original cap, original brake discs it had a couple of tires on it and that was literally it it never even blew a bulb mm-hmm. in the 12 13 years we owned this car nothing went wrong at all it was incredible the only reason i got rid of it sadly was it i, I crashed it i skidded on a on a road and uh, it got written off but um i was only doing about 30 but i re- i mourn that car because it probably i'd still have it now there's great joy not just in the financial savings of not having to do a lot of work on a car but also just that endless trust that you then then have in it and i think there's a great deal of satisfaction to be derived from that isn't there they become friends i find if you're a proper car enthusiast they become friends in the same way that your pet dog and cat does you know they're there at the end of the day to greet you um bounding down the road to meet you particularly if you leave the handbrake off <laughs> and there's a reassurance in a car that you trust and, the, and that you know but there is a it, it is a wonderful familiarity it's like if you if, if someone else has borrowed your car and you get back in and they've, they've moved the seat no it, it take it can take weeks to get the seat back to where you're comfortable again not in my next car that I'm going to mention, okay. because that had electric memory seats. Oh, God. Now, uh, this was something that would be at the other end of predicted reliability spectrum. Yeah. A Range Rover Classic. <laughs> what uh, year? 94 or 95, one of the very last. 90, it was probably 94M. Petrol um, or diesel? 3.9 petrol. Um, is the right answer yes that's right (laughs) Um, yeah one of the run out models one of what they call the soft dash so it had the um, uh, twin airbags uh, subwoofer built into the boot as standard cruise control air suspension we can can picture this then what what, what colour what interior den green which is the, the sort of you know, classic metallic green that you, you would expect in your mind, um, and a Westminster grey leather upholstery. So I came across it by accident, actually, a local garage that I knew, a uh, servicing garage, not sales garage, and it was sitting at the end of the lot because all these places always end up with 
people's hand-me-downs, don't they, sitting there, you know, and and, mm. and I'd always loved the Range Rover. I mean, it was such, mm. such an incredible vehicle in so many ways, that, you know, from design to, to concept to, to reality. It was just, just a, an amazing vehicle, particularly for... Yeah, the very tail end of the sixties and beginning of seventies. But anyway, this yeah. one was much later. So I, I was in for a service. Anyway, I asked them. Said, "What's, what's the deal with the, the Range Rover down the end?" They said, "Oh, sad story. Actually, the guy passed away. He was an account. He was our accountant, and he passed away." And I said, "Well, I'd be interested if you know." Anyway, a bit of bartering backwards and forwards, and I bought it. Only done um, forty thousand miles, and he was the yeah. only owner. So it was really quite. a quite a special vehicle so special that i just pressed it into daily service and had it probably one of the longest that i've ever had any car i had it for seven years took it up to about 80 or ninety thousand, something like that the range rover obviously uh if you know your classic cars if you were to make a list of cars that are cheap to own and reliable and have wonderful electrics i think the range rover would be on another list <laughs> Well, let me tell you what went wrong with this car, okay? Um, It had the air suspension, which I'd owned it two or three days, and I Mm. came out in the morning to go to work, and it was uh, sitting on its knees. Like Um, a dead Citroen, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I decided not even to investigate and converted straight to coil springs, and that's what it sat on there after. Um, The air suspension is a nice idea, but I, I really hadn't got time to faff about with that so it, i think it was... it's a fantastic thing if you tow a trailer because it self levels yeah and that's a wonderful wonderful thing well but, but hang on it was self-leveling anywhere well mine wasn't because of course i converted it to, to coils but the the original coil ones had the the you know the pneumatic. oh they had on the back yeah on yeah the back axle. on the so, back axle. so i don't know that the air suspension gained a lot really it dropped a few millimeters when you got up to speed and blah blah and the ride was good but the right the right i can tell you what the ride is shocking with without any springs that much i can tell you because i had to drive it <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, quite uncomfortable just sitting on its bump stops. But anyway, so that went wrong with it within you know a few days of ownership. And then the next seven years, let me tell you what went wrong. Nothing. Are you sure it was a Range Rover? <laughs> Are you sure you didn't accidentally buy a Mitsubishi Shogun with <laughs> Range Rover badges? Absolutely certain. Nothing went wrong. Even the aircon never needed regassing worked perfectly the electric memory seats are a problem on those because the batteries inside um they've got little memory batteries for the for the memory settings one and two okay little button batteries they leak eventually over the circuit boards and that kills your electric seat i was gonna say kills your electric chair um that that um that stops them from working and that's that is a big problem actually so if you own one go and go and change your little button batteries in them but i never even did that Nothing. I mean, not an electric window, not an electric sunroof, not a right. Nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. I I wonder if perhaps if you went through the service history, you'd find that that accountant, God rest his soul, had probably spent 70 grand on this car. And that maybe was what finished him off. (laughs) No, it was it was actually one. My one regret was that I didn't um, LPG it at the beginning. If I'd LPG'd it, I would have saved myself the most... (laughs) incredible amount of money oh i used to drive to um london and back in it and it had a range of just under 200 miles realistically you know sometimes you could edge it just above anyway that that round trip meant that i had to fill up every single day every day (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's still a hole in the ozone because of you. Yeah, it was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And do you know what? I still know where it is now. It's up in the Highlands of Scotland. Um, and yeah, I still know the guy that's got it. And there's a story for another day as well. But the, oh. I I regret selling that, and he sends me pictures of it towing <laughs> boat and things every every year he sends me a handful of pictures and uh he's done a little bit of work to it but it's 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 wonderful because it's completely original other than the suspension yeah still in active service so oh, i regret that and fi- financially as well incidentally because <laughs> through through the nature yeah. of the way that i sold it to him because i had to um uh he, he he got a good deal and you know what's happened to the values of those in the last um, few years so yeah anyway so that's another one what about you give us another one Oh, cars I wish I hadn't sold. I had a 1969 Triumph 2000 Mark I Estate. Mark I Estate, which was a fairly rare car. Um, This was a car that I did. The office that I worked in at the time was was on a a classic car title. And it was a Friday at about quarter to five, and we're all sort of getting ready to go. And the, the editor was a huge fan of Triumphs. He said, well, Mike, it's really about time you bought a Triumph. And I said, well, the only one I'm ever really interested in is a Mark One, And it would have to be in the state because I've only got saloons. And he said, well, what would you do to it? And I said, well, I'd find a white one. Because I thought, let's make this complicated. Otherwise, I'm going to end up, you know, spending the weekend with him looking at cars. So <laughs> I said, it'd have to be a white one. And I, what I'd do, I think, is probably take the bumpers off, put a matte black bonnet on it, mini light wheels, lower it a little bit, and make it look a bit like the rally cars, mm, make nice. it like a rally barge. So two minutes later, he says, found you one. <laughs> Just one. It was, it was on eBay. It was white. It had a black bonnet. Um, it was £500. There were no bids on it at all. And it had, I think, about 35 minutes to run. So I thought, oh, you know, that's going to sell. So I put £502 in as a bid, mm. forgot about it. And then obviously midway through having a drink in the pub later on, Bleep bleep looked at the phone. Congratulations, you've won five hundred pounds. Ah, nuts. <laughs> um, the guy was in Portsmouth, um, so I gave him a call. Arranged to go and pick it up the, the following day, the Saturday. Arranged the insurance on the train on the way down. Drove it back uh, to where I was living, and at that point, I was living in Bath, and it was just. I mean, it's a, it was a kind of a rusty car. It was a little bit rough, but it drove beautifully. It's the first time I'd driven a Triumph. It had four manual, speed, or, manual or auto, four speed with overdrive on third and fourth. Yeah, on the so on, effect, on the column on the Mark One, wasn't it? Uh, yes, but this had a Mark Two gearbox, so which is a superior the, box. Yeah, top of the and stick. it had it on the on top of the gear stick. So white car, um, black leather interior. Yeah, because the, the Mark 1s had leather, whereas the Mark 2s were all vinyl, weren't they? Yeah. Hmm. And this was actually black leather. It was a little bit ropey. Character. Um, Patina. For £500, it drove amazingly. I loved this car. Uh, it was it seeded my expectations in every possible way. Uh, owned it for about a year. I put a stainless steel exhaust on it. And I think it had a couple of little electrical issues. I think the um, it needed something in the headlights burned out and that was a bit awkward the switch burned out i think right. it was one of those you know when you're driving along you think mm-hmm. smell something smell something well they oh, weren't that, you know. um they weren't relayed were they I don't no know. they weren't no. they weren't 
well, this one certainly wasn't. <laughs> and the only other thing with it, and I was telling someone about this recently, and they were wetting themselves. But I'd, I'd said to after I got it and I did the normal checks and I, you know, went to replace the air filters. And I said to the specialist, you know, what, um, what, what, what's the key to getting these carburetors and get the air filters off the top of the carbs? They said, oh, you just unbolt them. And I said, well, it's, it's difficult because it's, you know, being a, a, a slant engine, so there's not a lot of room to get them off. And he sort of, what do you mean? And I said, well, it's like slanted over. It's like a Chrysler Slant 6 or a BMW 6. It's, you know, it's slanted over. I can see what's coming uh, here. Yeah. It looked, yeah, it looked at me funny. And I was at a car show a week later and someone went, I see your engine mounts collapse then. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, that might explain the knocking on the exhaust as well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I never did anything seriously in the way of restoring it because unfortunately it was the fourth car I owned at the time. I had another three cars, so it was always getting neglected. And then I mentioned in the magazine it was for sale, and it, it went you know, the next day. Mm. A girl turned up the next day, gave me five hundred, and drove it away. So he, lost, I, he lost two pounds on that deal. Then. No, I actually got it for the five hundred. The bid was five hundred two, but oh, no clever. one else bid. Yeah, clever. Yeah, no, not really clever. You know, hey, come to me for buying advice. Um, and I, I wish I'd hung on to that because I'd still use that today. Being an estate, very, very useful car. And I never got to my third choice. See if you can guess. Another V8. Rather more butch, this one. And definitely not a Sheila. Terrible accent. Manual. Mid-2000s. Rebadged. And with the original name now dead. I'll make a big reveal next time on Car Chum. Thanks for listening. Pip-pip. Great. Thanks. You stayed for the pip-pip.